allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. Welcome. H to the O V. I used to move snowflakes by the O Z. I guess even the one, the one and only. P2P Radio. I am your humble and gracious host, Rick Grabber. Staying with you for the next hour. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 2 of the greatest podcast to ever hit the airwaves. We have got a lot going on to discuss with you this week. Um, whether you're joining us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, CrossPods, or even on P2P TV, I would like to thank you again for joining us on this Thursday. Um, so... Let's say we get started into it. We got um, three big things that we're going to be talking about. Um, first up on the agenda is going to be the 2020 elections. Uh, then we're going to be talking about uh, a little bit about the Jay-Z NFL deal and then talking about white nationalism uh, that we talked about and discussed last week. And again, bring it to your awareness. Uh, got some new facts for you, some video and audio to play for you to bring again your awareness to the situation. Because again, what Power to the People TV and radio and podcast is about, and network in general is about, is trying to enlighten, uh, trying to get information out there, inform you, and give you a better opinion. Uh, so before I get into any of that, uh, I got to first, uh, we've been amping him up, um, bringing him up. He's been giving us some insight on our Facebook page. So without further ado, let me bring on our new co-host, uh, Mr. Andre Ward. Sir, how is everything going with you? Uh, everything is good, man. Just trying to keep up with all the, the news that's going on. It's a bit much, but I'm doing my part to feed the information to the people, man. Hey, it's great to have you, man, again on the network. Uh, thank you for joining us. Um, so Andre is going to be giving us his insight pretty much into everything that we're discussing. He's also one of our newest editors on our Facebook page. Uh, so he's going to give you some insight on our social media channel and stuff like that as well. Um, so before uh, we get into the deep dive and discussion on our agenda, we want to bring you up to speed on what the network has been doing so far. Um, we have published our last uh, episode on iTunes and on Facebook and on SoundCloud, but we also got picked up uh, by Google Podcasts. So whether you're on an Android or an iPhone, um, you can still listen to us via that way. And also, we're working on uh, getting us some commercials, some ad space. And also, we got features on CrossPods, which is a uh, broadcasting network and podcast network that distributes um, across, you know, a majority of our social media. So we're glad we picked it by them. So the podcast and the network in general is alive and going well. So uh, that's just to bring you up to speed on some of the stuff that is going on with us. So uh, let's first get into it and talk about the 2020 election um that is a lot of stuff going on with that and uh and so let's just put up this graphic first um andre i'm going to show the audience uh and for the podcast uh, viewers it's pretty much just a graphic of how many candidates is on the platform right now i mean and this list is kind of out of date because it's not encompassing of everybody um that has joined i think right now it's about 22 individuals uh, if I am um, correct, and it is just a whole plethora of candidates that are going on right now, and it, it's truly um, baffling, to be quite honest. Uh, so, Andre, tell us what your thoughts is about the 2020 field so far. Um, I want to say first, I'm overwhelmed. Uh, I feel like when the gates open for candidates to come on and compete, First it was two, then it was four, then it was eight. It blossomed to 22 and 23. Um, to start off with a general statement, I want to say uh, 2020 election is going to be a madhouse. That's Absolutely. Mildly. Um, with the debates getting more harsh, more personal, um, I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be real dirty. Um, the, the far right or the right in general. GOP, um, they're going to do everything in their power to uh, maintain the power that they have now. Um, they're currently trying to consolidate power, and they know the Democrats are on their heels, um, and they're not going to give up. Um, lo looking at trends now, mm -hmm, it's, it's going to be a madhouse for sure, and I think the American people have to be uh, ready 
um, because they're going to be overwhelmed and there's going to be a lot to take in because this is not like any other uh, presidential race that we've ever seen. Uh, this is more personal. Um, it's going to get really nasty and the American people have to be prepared for what's going to come out of all of this. So that's my general statement. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, and, and for the, the audience out there, especially if you're watching us on, on Power to People TV right now, we got your comments up so we can read them in real time. So if you want to give us some of your takes about what's going on in 2020, Phil, please uh, feel free to. Um, and, and we'll try to pull them into the podcast uh, as they come in. So, uh, he, Andre, you're absolutely right. That the 2020 feel right now is, is very vast, very big. Um, and so that leads to my biggest issue right now. If you, if you look into the field of these candidates, you have, you know, Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, um, Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, Cory Booker, uh, uh, Pete. Pedro, Beto, you know, you've got a lot of people in there, and diversity is vast. You have black women, white women, black men, um, you have gay men in there. It's like a, the most diverse field I've seen, um, I think, ever in this country. Um, so with that, it comes my irritant, um, and I, I want to make sure we discuss this as well, because we're independent media, so we're going to bring you to the awareness of some... I'm not going to say schemes, but some moves or some ways that corporate media tries to sway or drive your opinion. And the oh, yeah. biggest way of that is that, that you can automatically tell that there's a candidate that they favor. And right now, that is Joe Biden. Um, when you see it on especially MSNBC, uh, you can see it on CNN this past week. Joe Biden is up in double digits. Joe Biden is running... Um, this uh, unbelievable campaign. Joe Biden is, is is the one that's talking about going against Trump, um, and that just irritates me because with a, a such a vast field, why is it right that they keep tying and keep trying to predetermine who the Democratic nominee is gonna be? Now, see, this reminds me. <laughs> this reminds me of last election before it became Hillary versus Trump, mm -hmm. it was uh, Hillary versus Bernie Sanders. Right. And that's, uh, that's still a personal topic for many. <laughs> um, obviously, you could tell they were favoring Hillary. Mm -hmm. And my belief is it's more in tune. Um, I feel like the Democrats have their old guard, mm -hmm. how they do things. And Joe Biden is probably one of the oldest of the guard. And he knows how the system works. And um, with the new progressive Democrats coming, you know, like the squad, um, I think they're afraid or they see their influence among the current candidates that are running mm -hmm. right now. And they need somebody who can still represent what they've always held on to. Right. And fighting clearly because, he, you know, he's he's been part of that what, what the criminal reform bill. I know that mm -hmm. was very controversial. I don't know if it was 91 or 96. You know, a lot of them were part of that. And he represents, he represents that, um, that group of uh, old guard of Democrats. So they figured, okay, you know, we don't want the influence of the progressive Democrats. We need to hold on what we know and how we do it. Right. We may get them a taste later. And Joe Biden, they feel as though it's an easy candidate. Um, they probably already got corporate backing that we don't know about. It's just easier for them just to plop them in there. And they probably do think um, he's a stronger candidate uh, against Trump. Now, I'm kind of 50-50 mm -hmm. on that. Um, yeah, and, and here's the thing about that, and that's what the next graph I want to pull up, because that's the biggest thing, uh, that they're going to try to show you about the polls. And so just, let's just peel back the cover, um, uh, the curtain behind here, that these polls are people – they, they call people in these certain districts who they assume will speak for the nation uh, or assume will speak for every voter. For automatically, they're going to call one of one tenth or one tenth or one tenth or one tenth of those that are actually voting. Yet, they're going to say, because these five or six or however many people say, yeah, I'm voting for Joe Biden. Oh, see, 50% of the nation is going to vote for Joe Biden. Um, so, therefore, he's electable. And that's going to be the word that you keep hearing, electability, 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 right? And so... Here's the thing, 
and this is the graphic I'm about to pull up next, is that if you look at any candidate, they're all electable. <laughs> if you look at the spread, yes, Joe Biden holds the most. He's at 12, at 12 plus right now. This poll was taken last Friday. Um, but if you look at Warren, if you look at Sanders, if you look at Harris, all of them beat Trump. Though, just because Biden beats Trump, Yes, he may beat Trump by the largest margin, 12%, but also Warren beats him by seven. Sanders beats him by nine. Harris beats him by six. So this notion that you have to go with Joe Biden, um, and that was the issue that I had with his wife uh, saying that, you know, maybe you have to swallow a little bit of your pride because at least you get somebody that you know, and Joe is electable. I love what Elizabeth Warren said during the debate, and she said, I can't believe that we're spending all this time running just to tell people what they can't do. And, and why is it that, you know, we're yep. trying to, to, to tell people, oh, settle down. You had Trump supporters who were believing that a whole other country was going to pay for a wall. <laughs> and, gullible. And, gullible. And yet, somehow, it's the Democrats that constantly, it's the liberals and the progressives that constantly have to be told, you either have to go with this person, but or you have to be pragmatic. And I think that we have learned, the Democratic Party rather have learned absolutely negative anything when it comes to this because you're still trying to do what you did with Hillary and say, see, she's the most electable. He's the most electable rather than giving somebody that people aspire to that will that will go in, in day or rain or whatever to place that vote. What's your thoughts, Andre? I, um, personally, I don't see what they find as a strength in Biden. Um, outside him being part of the old guard, why won't you go with someone fresh? Um, mm -hmm. This is just my personal opinion, not trying to influence or throw my influence on anybody or persuade anybody. But I think a ticket of Sanders and Warren in any combination, whether it's vice or president in any form, would do absolute damage. Mm -hmm. it, would, it would win um, I just I don't I don't understand what's so why they fear going a new direction. It's like they it's like they fear change themselves and I don't really trust these polls that they put up on these news uh, on the on the news channels you see them on MSNBC, CNN, on Fox, on the news sites like Newsweek and Reuters. Oh polls say uh you know, Joe Biden is this. I'm like, who are you asking? Like Asking the very few people who got that much power, yep, we're not informed of who they asking. We just know that they asked somebody or a group of people, um, and it's not uh, it's not believable. And that's why now, yeah, we want um, we want a Democrat to win, mm -hmm. but at the same time, we need to be sure this is truthful and it's fair. Um, we don't want a Democrat that's going to do it the old way or who represents who represents an agenda that's already predetermined. Absolutely. We need new blood that has a new voice. And um, I'm not sure. I just don't believe uh, Joe Biden is that answer. I, I don't. Um, hey. we, we haven't we haven't even gotten <clears throat> to the visa potatoes of 2020. And Joe Biden was already stumbling. Exactly. Yeah, as you imagine him on the stage. Again, let's pull up that graphic again for everybody. That's 20 candidates right there. And yet somehow we are supposed to automatically believe that Joe is the only one out of those whole 20, the whole 20 that, and it's, again, it's outdated because I think it's like 22 or, or more than that. Um, he's the only one that can win. The only no. one that, that can, can pull a victory um, is Joe. I, I, I just refuse to believe that. And, again, you're absolutely right. When you, and you have to understand there are two things at play here. That one, yes, who can go against Donald Trump? But if you're right, Joe Biden is stumbling, remembering dates. He was saying he was the VIP, he was the vice president um, doing a Parkland shooting. Uh, that he said that um, – that you know, it, the the Martin Luther King assassination happened in the seventies, or that uh, even poor kids could aspire to be like white kids, and it's just like you know these <laughs> yeah. fumblings, and we're still a whole year out of the gate. How's he supposed to be up there on the stage with Donald Trump, who may light into him if he makes a stumbling like that? Um, 
I have a see. <laughs> thing is, I don't know if anybody remembers, but Joe Biden was questioned of his presence during the civil rights uh, movement, whether he was there, or whether he participated, or whether he cared. I was questioned heavily, and it's no coincidence that he's mixing all these dates. And I think, in a way, people are saying that Joe Biden is desperate. Mm-hmm. Like he already, he can already see that he's losing the grasp of a lot of people already. Um, and I hope he knows that going into 2020, even his own adversaries in the Democratic field mm-hmm. are going to be very uh, meticulous. They're going to break each candidate down, uh, pros and cons, and they're going to zoom in on the cons, and they're going to go far. And guess what? We all know the Republicans play dirty. So <laughs> let's just say, I'm not saying he will, but let's just say he does become the number one candidate. Can you imagine what the Republicans are going to do? They're, they're ready. They're, they're ready to play there. So mm-hmm. we got to have somebody that's ready, that's smart at the same time. Um, ready but smart. Like, attack the Republicans with precision. Still hold confidence. Still hold your ground. But you hit them bluntly. There's no nitpicking with you guys. They, they're ready to play. And I'm just not sure with uh, Joe Biden stumbling now. We're not even at level one yet. This is warm up. Right. If we at level eight. And and this this is you know this is a game man. right. He's not winning, so uh, I don't see. To me, he's not the candidate. And so, but I think you hit on it here. Let's talk about um, the what you just have identified, which was the Republicans um, playing dirty. So what sometimes Democrats do is they think short term, uh, like you gotta beat Trump, but you don't think about the after effects. You don't think about what's happening two to four to eight years down the road. And so what sometimes they tend to do is say, we need Joe in order to pull over the never Trumpers, to pull over the moderate Republicans, to pull over those ones who are conservative, but can't stomach Trump. So we want to pull them on our side in order to get Trump out the white house. Yes, that is, that may get you next year. They may get you over 2020, but don't get confused. Don't get bamboozled and hoodwinked that the Republicans are trying to do is, yes, they they want Joe Biden because here and they revealed it and it gave you the side already because so, they can tolerate him for four years. So this is what they're going to do. You put Joe Biden as the, as the candidate. They stomach that vote and, 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 and vote Democrat for 2020. You get Trump out the White House. OK, you got that victory. But you better believe that they're going to run hard and run fast against Joe Biden in 2022 to get back the House. Because they're going to sell it that Joe Biden is this socialist liberal and you got to have a Republican Congress in order to keep him in check. And again, because you didn't inspire the liberals, because you didn't inspire progressives and people who, you know, are your base, they're not going to go out there and vote as much as they did in 2020 because you don't longer have Trump. They're the boogeyman to scare people to vote. So yep. that car is now away. So now Republicans are going to get the House. They already got the Senate. And then they're going to run even harder and faster against Joe Biden in 2024 because they're going to say Congress and, and Washington did a dead still because you got a Democratic president. you got a Republican Congress. You need Republicans all the way in order to get it in. And guess what? You still got good old Joe Biden over there who's now... I don't know how old he's going to be, but it's going to be hard in order to motivate those people to, again, go out there and vote for him again in 2024. So now the Republicans got the House, they got the Senate, and now they got a great big old target to get the White House again. So what Democrats need to do is think about the long term. Get somebody in there that inspires people, not somebody that, you know, could just get a job done next year. Democrats oftentimes just think about the White House, but not about the Senate, not about the Congress, not about the governorships or anything else like that. Andre, I'll give you the last closing thoughts on this topic before we press on. I want to say this is where you have to look at um, speaker. Um, I don't know what Nancy Pelosi, I don't know her thought process. I feel like she doesn't care about fresh blood. Um, and I think it's good that you want to, you know, you, you want to, you want to take you want to you want to take down Trump. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I understand that, but I think it's kind of become a step to doing it. And like you said, you, you said it. Like we're just looking over that hump. 
We just want to get to 2020 and win it, and that's it. But you got to think beyond that. Like you said, they're coming for that house. They want the house, and we have to be able to put that roadblock and say, no, that, if anything, we need to get back in the Senate. Mm-hmm. We need to gain control of that, too. And I don't think, not a gripe at Nancy, or maybe it is, but she needs to get uh, a party together uh, and have a focus beyond that. Because you know, it's a difference that if it's a difference you want to take down an opponent, but it's also another thing too that you can you can multitask. You can take down an opponent, opponent, and you can rectify the wrong that the opponent did. And right now they just want to just take down an opponent and they'll worry about everything else later. Mm-hmm. And just to piggyback on what you said, um, if they don't uh, focus on the, uh, beyond the 2020 election, it's just going to be a vicious cycle. Exactly. Vicious cycle. That's that's what I think. Exactly. So another component of uh, this discussion that we're talking about, and again, uh, if you're following us on Facebook Live, please let us know your thoughts in the comments, um, and we'll pull them in as we can um, and and try to engage what your thoughts and opinions are. Uh, But the next topic that we're going to be discussing is white nationalism. So we got some video and some audio to play for you to get your thoughts and and pull you into the conversation that we're going into, and uh, we'll discuss on the other side. Data compiled by a New Jersey government agency found alleged white supremacists were responsible for all of the race-based domestic terrorism terrorism incidents the office tracked in 2018. The New Jersey Office of Homeland Security and Preparedness released the data after tracking 32 domestic terrorism incidents in 2018. Of the 46 people allegedly involved in those incidents, 25 were classified by the agency as race-based extremists. All were suspected white supremacists. So, um, again, uh, if you didn't catch that, um, uh, not a majority, I'm about to mess myself up, not some, uh, not a few, but all domestic um, terrorist attacks that occurred in the United States in the year 2018 was done by white nationalists. Not a few, not some, not sprinkling, but all. In 2018, so the problem is not, and this is not to 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 belittle what some extremists on the left, like um, the few that are in Antifa, the anti-fascist group, um, they're not the problem. The problem is the ones that are going in, and we discussed the shootings last week uh, in El Paso. The ones that are going in and murdering people, the ones that actually have kill counts, the ones that are advocating for this, the ones that who want to use violence as a part of their platform. Uh, Antifa does not. They try to push back against that, um, but each time we try to bring about white nationalism, it's always, well, what about the left? Right? Like, they try to pull in Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter have riots. No. Black Lives Matter have few in their element, which they disavow, which they advocate against, that say, do not do this. But again, white nationalists, the KKK, the Proud Boys, all that group advocate for violence. They use it as a mechanism to motivate their side, their sponsors. So, Andre, my question to you to open up the discussion is, why do you think we as a country cannot have the discussion needed to take out this problem? Oh, man, I got so many angles I can go at this. Um, well, let's just, I'm going to put it bluntly. Um, going back on a report that came out, uh, I believe, by the FBI um, back in 2015 or 15 or 16. So FBI stated um, that there will be an infiltration of white nationalism, right? Guess what? Wasn't much talk on it. You know, like, okay, oh, yeah, you know, we know they're already there. Boom, okay. A couple years later, they're there. And not just, um, not just random people who, not, not sympathizers, but you got politicians. You got police departments. Um, all levels of power have been there. Um, right recently, uh, there was a State Department official who had to be removed because they had a white nationalist ties. So... To go back to your point why this can't be tackled, it's because we didn't take the threat seriously back then. Um, they're embedded. Um, and uh, all this is, it goes, man, it's so, 
you can you can attack this subject in so many different ways because this isn't just a 2000s problem or a 90s problem. This is America's underbelly that's been here. Um, and you have to go back and the government at all levels has to admit that uh, uh, racism and the people of power who enable it, whether directly or indirectly, is a problem. Um, you have to admit that, yeah, you can, I, hear, I hear what people say all the time, uh, guns don't shoot themselves, people do. Cool, bet, thank you, thank you for that. But at the same time, nobody should be walking around uh, with military-grade weapons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, you should be doing thorough background checks. Yeah, background checks are being done, but pretty sure not being done um, thoroughly enough to where you know that person shouldn't have it. Um, and I just believe two things. The government is lazy. Uh, uh, they don't care. Oh, it's on purpose. Right, and, and, um, and not to cut you off, but I want to make sure we identify that, that I actually believe it's what you lastly said about they doing it on purpose. Um, I think that's probably more true than not. Um, the reason being is because the FBI uh, actually was exposed to, they say uh, they want to identify terrorism in the country. Um, and they use that mechanism to say that they need to monitor uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, black extremist organizations, um, okay. And stuff of that nature. While at the same time, pulling funding, pulling resources from departments that are monitoring and watching and identifying white nationalist groups. So, don't be confused by a tweet or by a speech or by a statement. Just because somebody says, I condone, uh, excuse me, I do not condone a white nationalism. Yet I look the other way. Or yet I tell my police department or yet I tell my FBI department to look the other way when it comes to identifying and handling white nationalism. The speech is null and void at that point. There's no point of you telling me that because your actions obviously speak louder than your words. So don't get confused if you see somebody say, oh, the government doesn't tolerate it. If the government is, is turning a blind eye to it or, or even disabling the proper authorities to identify it and present it, prevent it, then it's just as much a problem. Uh, back to you, Andre. Yeah, um, <laughs> that, yeah, that's that's definitely putting it where it needs to be, the needle where it needs to be. I think, let's just say they are, and I'm not assuming I'm not the one to you know, point the finger directly, but I would ask the reason why. Mm-hmm. Now, you ask that, just think about it. Who's in office right now? What's their agenda? You notice, you know, a lot of the cabinet members are dirty. A lot of them have uh, racist ties. And then that make that should make you think. The United States is not, uh, you know, is not, um, what is it, invincible, well, not invincible, but it's not untouchable. They can, corruption can happen in the government. And uh, either either his supporters or this, these, this administration's supporters are in complete denial or they are completely brainwashed not see that we are in a crisis um, and I personally believe that this goes back to and I tell people all the time we go back to uh, what J. Edgar Hoover what he said uh, about black extremists or black groups and they wanted to focus all their efforts on black groups and keep in mind these groups are non non-violent um, with all their resources and but for what though? Uh, back then, the Klan and other uh, related uh, white hate groups was you know, kidnapping us, lynching us, and all this other stuff. So, what does that say about their boss, the government in charge? Uh, again, I confirm it or deny. I just want to know why. Even if it is, why? What's the point? And but that goes back to America's underbelly. We refuse to admit that. American history is pretty much uh, slavery and racism. And until we can admit that, and I mean even until you, until you, can, until you uh, convince Trump supporters, even they have to admit it. Come on, man. Like, this is going to take, because right now the country is divided. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't conquer a country that's united. They've done a good job. That's the only thing they've done a good job at is dividing it. And 
We can't get nothing done with a divided country. This is one of the reasons why we can't tackle it. Everybody's going this way. Everybody's going that way. Everybody's going here. Everybody's going there. And as long as they keep the country split politically, there's nothing that can be done. I read somewhere real quick that this should be tackled in two ways. Um, it was an article. It was in an article from a, I believe, a retired Marine General John Allen. He said, uh, "This is this uh, white nationalism, uh, this threat in this country, is coming from uh, a physical standpoint. You know, the mass shooting, but it's also coming from an ideological standpoint, where you know people are being uh, exposed." Um, mainly through TV and social media, propaganda, uh, uh, white people claiming they're being replaced, or the Jews and the blacks and the Muslims, the brown in the country. And it's like you have to tackle this effort physically and politically, and that's on the political level. Right. To, and if they're not doing their part, then, like, how is it going to get done? So, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely agree. And, and um, I would recommend that everyone checks out. It's called the 1619 uh, Project. It's from the New York Times. Uh, if you are on Twitter, or especially follow certain political um, commentary on Twitter, you'll see that even the mentioning of slavery just automatically splits people. Uh, and it's weird how people assume or they take the defense that when I am criticizing slavery, I'm criticizing conservatism. Um, and they're not automatically one the same. But that being said, if you criticize somebody for being racist or anti-Semitic, I'm not going to assume that you're talking about me. I'm not going to assume that you're talking about every liberal because guess what? Not every liberal is anti-Semitic. Uh, there's, yes, there's racism on it on both sides of the political spectrum. But exactly. one is obviously speaking out against it more than the other. Um, and so every time you talk about slavery, which you're absolutely right, we need to identify that. It is the, it, the root of, of how this country was created. And, and you don't say that in a way to say that I hate this country. Exactly. Um, you say that this country needs to live up to what its foundation was supposed to be set on. Um, because, yes, you wrote it on paper, yet you went back home to a plantation. Um, yes, you said all men were equal, yet you grabbed the whip when somebody got out of line. Uh, yet exactly. you raped somebody who looked different than you. Uh, either as a way to keep that man in line or as a way to make sure that your plantation was properly staffed because you wanted to get slaves, you know, from your own versus having to go out and buy them. So that is something that we have to admit, something we have to acknowledge, something we have to conquer. And it's epiphany that 200 plus years of slavery, 100 plus years of Jim Crow laws of segregation, and only 1964 through 2019, all of a sudden, all racism, all bigotry, all institutionalized racism, just poof, went away. <laughs> because the Civil Rights Act was created, uh, uh, was enacted. That's an absolute farce, and I don't understand how we can even, like you said, begin to have the conversation where we are obviously living in two, two even different Americas, two different realities about racial relations, uh, in this country and uh again if you're on uh p2p tv and watch those lives feel free to let us know in the comments uh to start the debate and let you know what uh let us know what you think about the subject uh we're going to be talking more and more about it uh, but again i think under you identified it on the head that we need to talk about this in an honest manner um in order to identify what needs to be changed both physically um and politically because being outside of power, we can vent about it all day. But until we tackle institutionalized racism, systemic racism, police brutality, until we get to the core of those and figure out ways to tackle that deficit, then all of this is falling just to words. Exactly. And so on that note about institutionalized and systemic racism, uh, we may, uh, me and you, Andre, may uh, disagree on this next notion that we're going to talk about. Uh, on the bottom part of our um, hour, but before we get into that, uh, I just want to again preface and let you know that you can um, catch this podcast and catch us on TV uh, by following us on any of our social networks. Uh, as I said, at the top of the hour, right now we're also on Google Podcasts. Uh, we're already released last week's episode on SoundCloud um, and on YouTube and on iTunes Podcasts. 
Uh, we're also on cross pods, so you can catch us out on that as well. So there's a whole different lot of avenues that you can uh, get brought into the discussion. Uh, catch, we talked about at the top of the hour, in case you missed it, and join us on our conversation. So next up, we're going to be talking about uh, the NFL and Jay-Z, because I, <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, I've had debates with some of my friends about it. They felt one way. Um, I passionately feel a different way. Um, and Andre, I'm going to get your take. We're going to play the video, uh, bringing everybody up to the partnership between NFL and Jay-Z, and then we'll discuss it on the other side. Jay-Z and Roger Goodell together in New York announcing a new partnership between the NFL and Jay-Z's Rock Nation. It's an entertainment company that the league has tapped to be their official live music entertainment strategist, which means we'll see their fingerprint on big events like the Super Bowl, but also on the league's Inspire Change initiative, which was a key component to the deal for both sides. We always think we should partner with the best. That's why we're sitting here. We're partnering with the best. And so his perspective is going to drive us. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and talk to him about entertainers. He, he knows that business. What we have to do is figure out how do we support that and how do we make sure that we bring that to another level. The NFL platform for us, what was exciting for us, despite changes already happening, and, and uh, the NFL has a huge platform. And we can use that huge platform. for. We've seen it happen. Like when J.J. Watts, you know, came the, the, the aid to everybody in Houston, the whole world forgot about all the turmoil they had with the NFL. Was, oh, that's a great thing. That's a fantastic thing. And if you can use that platform to do that in different areas, then it's a home run. That's the success. I think someone asked me what I would view success. That's the, that's the success for me. So, um, <laughs> I, mm, I'm trying to think how, how I want to, um, uh, yeah, tackle it because, okay. So I got, I got you. I got you, Jay-Z. Um, that you're thinking that if you use this platform for good, the ends justify the means. And, um, maybe that is correct, perhaps, um, but for me, the ends do not justify the means by any mechanism of the sort. Um, let's also remember that Colin Kaepernick, the man who started this conversation, the man who started it, even the deal that you're on, is still without a job. Um, so you cannot, and to give background again to everybody who may not have been informed, Jay-Z did not talk to Kaepernick about this. He was acting about it in the press conference and he said, oh yeah, I talked to him, which was a lie because Kaepernick's camp came back out and that rookie said, no, he didn't. And so Jay-Z had to come back out and say, oh, I talked to him probably no more than 48 hours after the deal was broken. Uh, Jay-Z also told how many people last year, T.I. Uh, and other artists last year, not to take part in the Super Bowl. Um, halftime show because of Kaepernick still being without a job. He also told other artists who was close to a similar deal to what Jay-Z is in now not to take the deal because Kaepernick is out of a job. So to now hear Jay-Z use this platform and say, oh, we can use the platform for good, to me that sounds like a sellout. Point blank. Uh, so unless somebody can convince me otherwise, I'm still looking at Jay-Z saw a check and saw an opportunity to get that check, and so he decided to go out and get it. Colin, be damned. Andre, what's your thoughts? So, um, from what I heard and saw today, uh, there was an interview, because um, one of the artists that he told was Jermaine Dupree. Mm -hmm. I think he the main one, too, because he was going to um, do a similar deal with the NFL, and I think Jay-Z told him no. So it was, a, I think Jermaine Dupree went on a radio show, I forgot which one, and he pretty much said, uh, Jay-Z did, he, he said Jay-Z did not, not tell him, basically saying, Jay-Z didn't mention anything about, um, to him about not taking the deal. So that's, I don't know how true that is, I don't know if, uh, people believe Jermaine Dupree, or he was told to say that, I'm not sure, I don't know, I saw that come out today. And then I also heard another point where people said Jay-Z's not doing it for money because he's a billionaire. Now, okay, I can see that, but it comes to the next, it comes to the next text. 
time has happened, they can still without a job. Yep. So they try to throw out a quick BS report a couple of days after that news broke about Jay Z and NFL that Jay Z was possibly gonna um, have part owner or own a team someday. Report came out that no, he's not gonna own a team. So now the big question is, what was the deal for? So they said you know it was for music and uh, social justice. Mm-hmm. I mean, first off, it shouldn't take a partnership between a big uh, music mogul in 2019 and the NFL to all to all of a sudden bring social justice. Uh, social injustice has been going on for decades. So I'm confused now. So what was the partnership for? You know, like, mm-hmm. what is this for? You didn't talk to Colin or his camp. Reports came out that you lied. So what now? You know, is that now is the question is is what? And everybody is saying, oh, now let's wait. Let's, let's wait on Jay-Z. Let's see what he's going to do. Oh, uh, look, brother, you should have never took the deal in the first place if you you started off wrong. On, you, you started off wrong already by saying you talked to Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> that 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 right there was just that was you not only started on uh, the wrong foot, you started on the wrong foot twice. Uh, first taking the deal, and second you lied. So I'm confused now. So because I clearly do not know what this deal is for. Um, like I said, music <clears throat> and social justice, but I call that BS. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much my blunt take on it. Mm-hmm. I don't really accept the deal. I, I don't like how that went down, especially after reports to him telling another artist not to do it. I don't see what the deal was for. Maybe it is for money. Maybe it isn't. But whatever it's for, uh, Colin Kaepernick is still without a job. Absolutely. And, and I would read off one of the comments that, uh, that one of our viewers just posted up uh, saying that Jay-Z did uh, stab Kaepernick in the back. I hope he's spelled uh, the same right. Uh, then he came out um, out here making deals with somebody that supports police brutality. The reason why I say he supports it is because they are all not giving Kaepernick a chance to play due to what Kaepernick believes. Um, and I completely agree with that. I think that Jay-Z... The, well, let me talk about the NFL. The NFL needed somebody to co-sign what they were doing. Uh, if you... Also pay attention to the um, press conference. I never caught them say police brutality once. Um, oh. At least not from the standpoint of trying to advocate for or against it or trying to change it. They just talked about social change. Um, exactly. And it was funny that he brought up J.J. Watts, but not Eric Reed. Um, uh, not, right. right that, <laughs> that he's talking about, you know, everybody loves what J.J. Watts did, but why can't everybody love what Kaepernick did? Um, police brutality is not anti-police. Um, it's the standpoint of holding police accountable. Just like in every other job that we do or that we have, if you mess up, you're held accountable. Exactly. Regardless, in the military, if you mess up, you're held accountable. You don't get right. to say, well, I'm in the military, my life's on the line. It's moot. You still messed up. You're held yep. accountable. So, just because we are speaking out about police accountability does not mean that all of a sudden we hate all police. I, I think that is a, a target, that is a farce, and the straw man argument to get the conversation shut down. But chasing back to the NFL, they absolutely need somebody to co-sign. They need somebody that was popular, need somebody that was black, and they need somebody that can maybe tie back in to that community, and they thought that Jay-Z was the one uh, yep. to do it. And now they're finding out that uh, you might be wrong because people saw what you was dropping a mile away. And when they now got the information about that you didn't talk to Kaepernick, that all of a sudden this report came out that you was an owner, now we don't know if that's true or not. Because I was like, okay, maybe if he's an owner, he's going to sneak him in there and just say, like, you know what? (laughs) I'm the owner now. This is going to be my NFL player, and this could be my quarterback. Turns out, like you said, that may not be true. So I am still of the side of it. He's still a sellout, but it seems that the side is not he was right. It's either he's a sellout or we need to see more to make that determination. 
Exactly. And for me, if I'm Jay Z, if that's the two choices, is either I'm a sellout or wait to see if he's a sellout. <laughs> you already lost the debate, man. And so you know, the rollout of this deal was just um, horrible. So my second question, to you and Dre, is like, what do what does Jay Z need to do first, and then what does the NFL need to do second? Okay, so this is where I try to put myself in position um, of Jay Z. So if I was Jay Z, this is just me. This is me. Mm-hmm. I, some universe. If I was Jay Z, um, no PR team. This is just me. I will hold a, a conference with me speaking, stating my intentions to the world, whether the people believe it or not. But it has to come out of your mouth because you started off wrong with two strikes already. Um, that's what I would do if I was Jay Z. I would. Uh, I would mention why, why, uh, why I took this deal, and why wasn't why was it important um, to take the deal? Who would benefit? Like, get into the uh, get into the uh, meats and potatoes of why why this deal is the way it is. Why is it structured? You know, let people know. Um, and if I was uh, NFL, the NFL has done. So, I'm not even gonna lie with you. NFL has done so much wrong these days. Um, Honestly, I got nothing for the NFL. I would mm-hmm. prefer them to be quiet because anything they say is going to be twisted anyway because their track record is not good. You know what? I take that back. No. I want them to at least be present during Jay-Z's conference to mm-hmm. show at least that they agree um, with Jay-Z. Now, that may, not pres- that may not sway the public because, like I said, NFL's track record is definitely not great, but I think this is more or less more on on Jay Z. We know the NFL's backstory. Mm-hmm. We know their ploys, their cover ups. We know them already. So if anything, this is mainly on Jay Z. So like, yo, why did you do this? Like, that's what we needed her from. We know the NFL. We know they dirty. We know they're all about this. And at the end of the day, uh, we just we just need to know why uh, a person from uh, the African American community decided that it was beneficial to do it, and he noticed that he hasn't came out. I don't know if anybody noticed that Jay Z and nobody from his team yet has come out directly and try to rectify this issue. You notice that, right? Like, I'm pretty sure they're like trying to weather all this backlash that was coming at him like full force. Um, so I just want people to pay attention to that. So I think. Jay Z coming out with a conference with him speaking um, truthfully, and I'll leave that up to the debate of the public whether it's truthful or not. But he needs to speak, so that's what I think needs to be done. Absolutely, and um, yeah, I think that they need he needs to be direct. He needs to be exact. Don't say that you're looking for social justice. Yeah, that's cool. Right, you need to. I'm here because I'm going to advocate uh, against police brutality and addressing police brutality. That's what this partnership is going to be focused on. Not this grandiose, vague social justice, you know, rainbow in the clouds, all this kind of stuff. No, I am here to use this platform and a partnership with the NFL because we are going to together tackle police brutality. And again, the way that you can also do that to get. And I don't know why the NFL, actually I do know why the NFL didn't do this, but the missed opportunity is, is that you could have had Colin Kaepernick, Jay-Z, and NFL right there. And that same press conference, you could have had Kaepernick right there as a co-sign of, we are acknowledging that we messed up, but we not we also want to fix it. When you have all these incidents of domestic violence, now in NFL partnerships with all these domestic violence groups, advocacy groups, to fix that problem. Why can you not do the same thing against police brutality, right? You can partnership with the military. You can partnership with who knows how many other business sponsorships you got. I'm pretty sure there's an official crayon in, a, in a, the NFL. But for oh, yeah. whatever reason, we cannot tackle this issue when it comes to police brutality. And you know what I think? I think, you know... Police brutality is mainly along, uh, well, it is racial lines, and I think when it comes to that, this it goes it goes way beyond NFL because um, 
you know, NFL people tend to forget the NFL is a corporation. So they have influence mm-hmm. and they have ties. So I'd imagine uh, the NFL in some way is influenced by politics of today. And, you know, any mention of that, it's like they're afraid of their money. They're afraid of the money being lost. So they, to put it bluntly, trying to say is money comes before social justice. That's what, I mean, you know, let's not beat around the corner, but that's what this is. Money, reputation, and image. We know the NFL is constantly trying to do damage control, especially with the whole spill of domestic violence cases. It's all about image, reputation, and money. And it's still proven, like you said, you said it. You know, you could have had Eric Reed, you could have had Kaepernick there, and you could have been upfront about it. Easy. This is not hard. They're making this hard. It's like I told you, and I always said at the beginning of this podcast, this is a game. This is a game. And they're better at it. They're better at being evil than being good. Catch that. Remember what I said? They're better at being evil than being good. It takes less energy for them to be evil than be good because that's how, that's how they're constructed. Their priorities are messed up. Um, Kaepernick is out of job, and nothing is done with this deal unless otherwise uh, stated. So. Agree. Um, and so hopefully, I, I you're right. Jay Z uh, hasn't really came out and said anything else about this uh, this partnership since it first came out last week. Or uh, yeah, last week, um, he needs to definitely come out again and be more exact. Um, if not, I think that is not it's going to hurt him. I don't think this move the goalpost at all for the NFL. Um, I don't think you got really anybody. I, yes, I see that there are some people, uh, some black celebrities that are like forget Kaepernick. Uh, or you have some in the, the black sports media, um, like Stephen A. Smith and Shannon Sharp a little bit, uh, that was saying, like, maybe you need to give him a chance or the ends will just by the means um, or just wait and see. But I think a majority of the African-American community, the black community, saw straight through this and it's like, no. Um, but on that same note, I will be remiss if I didn't call out the same black community that I'm part of by saying that, yes, I think J.C. sold out Kaepernick. But don't get confused. A major, not a majority. Some in the African American community, the same people who wear the seven jerseys, the same people who claim Black Lives Matter, the same people who push for that, abandon Kaepernick every given Sunday when you still root for the Cowboys, when you're still talking about the Panthers, when you're still watching the network, watching the shows, going to the games. You can't have a both. You can't have both words. You can't be an advocate um, for Black Lives Matter or advocate for Kaepernick. And say that he deserves a job, yet still watch the same network, still watch the same league that kicked him out for being an African in the first place. You can't do both. So, while Jay-Z is, again, I think a, a sellout, we as a community need to learn to stand together when it comes to this and say, hey, does this man have a job? No? Then you can pray that it out whomever else you want to out up here. You can bring Jay-Z. You can bring Beyonce. Please don't attack me, Beehive. I'm, I, I, I'm just a beginner podcaster. Don't attack me. Uh, you can bring out whomever you want to. You can bring out Mr. Barack Obama, all I care. But Kaepernick is without a job, and you still haven't addressed police brutality as a whole, but you want to tell me about a halftime show? I ain't watching it. Period. It's moot, right? So you didn't just gave all this money to somebody, and the, and the poll post, you ain't got a new audience at all. You're still, your ratings are still going to be in a toilet like they were last year and a year before that. Uh, yep. And so, long-term-wise, I think it's messed up for Jay-Z. I think it's not going to move anything for for, uh, for the, uh, the NFL either be- uh, because the same people who aren't watching it last year aren't going to watch it this year. So, they need to start over and try again and either commit to addressing the issue of police brutality and fully commit to bring Kaepernick back on and attacking, not social justice, but attacking police brutality or just go back to where you were and just admit that you don't really give a shit about it in the first place. Pick one. But you're insulting our intelligence by trying to straddle a fence and then bring out Jay Z to be the, the 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 black person that co-signs on what you're doing. It's moved. Um. So, uh, I'm gonna give you the last word uh, before we top the show. Anything else that you want to say in general or to our audience uh, before we wrap up this podcast? I just want to say that um, it was a point you made. I don't know. If, I think you said earlier, like how uh, for black celebrities were against Kaepernick. Uh, and I want to say, I want people to, to realize this. Uh, 
there's a structure in, in this nation. Um, people, there's a, there's a, like, like I said, it's a game. It's a game, and of course they're gonna they're gonna be against Kaepernick because it's all about the money. It's all about the dollar. Mm-hmm. People can't afford to worry about. Now, I mean people. I mean uh, celebrities, people of of. Uh, of, a, of golden status, I call it. They can't afford, their and their bosses can't afford to worry about social justice because that takes away from their money. To them, it's the almighty dollar or nothing else. Nothing else matters. My life is good. Everything that's happening beneath me is not my concern. Um, and I want to say, this is why communities, especially in particular, African African American uh, communities are fractured. Um, I don't see how uh, and I want I want to leave with this note: how uh, back what is it, 50s, 60s, and 70s, when we, during especially the civil rights movement, and all all the leaders, civil rights leaders, barely any technology, but we were so unified in getting stuff done. But yet now, they, we have the tools now to get it going, but we're lazy, um, and people are afraid to go against the grain because it's it's. It's money. It's money over brutality. It's money over saving a life. I don't see what's... To me, I think it takes more energy to be cool than to be nice. And um, I don't feel sorry for the NFL or Jay-Z with the backlash um, that they're receiving. And also, I think as a community, uh, we should do better. Um, After the command community and the community of people that want to see social justice for all. Um, we can't go about anything in this nation if we're, you know, going to, we're having this uh, I'm better than you mentality. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. We can't have no fair weather supporters. We need to have people who are there permanently fighting for people like Kaepernick. You can't say, oh, I, uh, I agree with Kaepernick, but I'm going to watch that game Sunday and Monday. That's not how this works. Uh, this this is this is real life. If you're not in it with us permanently, then stay on the sideline. Be quiet, because we're over here. We're, we're trying to fight for justice. We're trying to change the world. Uh, if you're not part of that, step aside and let's do our job. And let us unite the community and bring justice for real. That's what I want to leave. Agreed, man. I think you hit it there on the head, um, and it's definitely a calling that. We need uh, more people to stand united together and not be on the fence um, or try to play the middle, be committed to the movement. But, uh, again, if you're on the podcast right now, if you watch us on P2P TV um, and you enjoy what you heard from Mr. Andre Ward, uh, feel free to catch him uh, on any of our podcasts on our network, um, not just him, but also we're going to be bringing on more of our other hosts, Miss Dion Duff, hoping to bring her on very soon so we can get her take on some stuff um this is ron jones and just like i said before you have me and my myself the excellent brick writer uh and mr andre ward giving you uh this week's podcast um so again you can catch us out on any of those uh excuse me networks or one of our platforms to um give us your take and get our opinion and get our takes and our uh informed opinions so, uh, Mr. Andre Ward, I want to say appreciate you, man. Thank you for being on, and uh, no looking forward to discussing more with you. So, uh, if you want to debate me or uh, Mr. Andre uh, again, you can do that at any time. Um, in fact, we want you to. We welcome it. Oh. I, I I love a uh, a vigorous debate. So, at any time you want to uh, be our guest. Please do. Again, we have Trump supporters on here. We have right-wing people on here. We have liberals on here, progressives on here, uh, Black Lives Matter on here. We got it all. So if you wanted to take part um, in this uh, debate that we're having, um, join us anytime. You can just email us at change at gmail.com. Um, again, that's change at gmail.com. We'll reach back out to you, uh, try to schedule you something, and then uh, take it from there. So again, uh, thank you for watching us uh, this week. Uh, we had a very scary discussion um, about uh, the 2020 election, about white nationalism, and about the NFL. Uh, we're going to have another episode next Thursday, so you can feel free to catch us um, live on Facebook Live. 
uh, Thursdays at 8 p.m. 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, again, having the vigorous debates, having the conversation that's needed to be had. Again, we're independent media. We're not corporate media. We're not trying to dictate an opinion to you. We're trying to give you the information uh, that we believe that you need so that uh, you can make up a conversation or an opinion on your own. Um, again, make sure you follow us on social media, uh, on Facebook. We're also going to be on Twitter and on Instagram fairly soon. Uh, we're also on, like I said, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, on CrossPod, SoundCloud, and on YouTube. So if there's a venue that you want to use or prefer to use, I can pretty much guarantee you that we, if we're not on it already, we're about to be on it in the near future. Uh, so the P2P network is, again, ever expounding, ever growing, um, entertainment, sports, the radio, and TV. So, again, if there's an avenue uh, or something that you want to know about, we're pretty much going to deep dive and give you an opinion on it. So, um, again, catch you next Thursday. Thank you for following us and listening to us live. If you're on the podcast, thank you for listening in. Uh, this episode will be published um, in less than 24 hours. So, again, share it, subscribe to it, and like it, and give us some shout-outs and give us some love because we definitely love y'all and love you being on our network. So, until next Thursday, thank you for being on. Be blessed, be safe, and power to the people.